0: Please uh, turn with me in your copy of God's Holy Word to the Gospel of John. Tonight we'll begin an occasional series in the, through the Gospel of John. And our first passage this, e- er, our passage this evening is John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Holy Word. Hear now the word of the Lord from John chapter 6, starting in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. Then they said to Him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would bless us as we study it, as we dive deep into this passage. Help us to understand what it means, what Christ means by uh, saying, I am the bread of life. Show us Christ, our Savior, that we might feast upon Him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been uh, reading a book or watching a movie and... A new character appears. You don't quite know enough about them, though, to figure out who they are and what role they'll play in the larger story. This new character is so shrouded in mystery that it takes some time to understand their importance to the story. Well, the Gospels are not so murky and mysterious. Now, the picture that we get of Christ in the Gospels is nearly the opposite of the one I just described. Christ comes and He declares to the people in Israel exactly who He is, exactly where He came from, and exactly what He has come to earth to do. This doesn't mean that it takes no effort, though, to understand what He says about Himself no, surely you and I will always need that Spirit-wrought wisdom that we heard about this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll need the Spirit to help us comprehend and believe all that Christ reveals to us about Himself in the Gospels. But throughout His teaching and preaching ministry, Christ our Lord very clearly communicated who He was. And through the Gospel of John, we see that He partly does this through what are known as the I am statements of Christ. Because in these, he declares something about himself. In John six thirty five, we have the first of these statements in John's gospel. Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Well, over the next few sermons, we will explore more of these important sayings. And all the while, we'll fill in more of the picture of who our Savior is, what He came to earth to accomplish, and how we can have salvation in Christ alone. But for this evening, in John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35, Jesus declares to you and to me that He is the bread of life. But in order to understand the importance of this, image for the Christian. We first need to explore the immediate context in which this teaching of Christ comes to us. And in order to do that, we have to look back at the beginning of John chapter 6. There, in those first few verses, we see that there's a large crowd gathered around Christ near the Sea of Galilee. And they have gathered because, as it says in verse 2, they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. The crowds gathered around Christ because they wanted to hear him teach. But more than that, they were hoping to see something amazing, to see a miracle like the ones they'd heard about, like the ones that they may have seen before. And Christ, in his great compassion for the crowd, and because he knew that they would have a hard time finding food because of the Passover preparations that were already taking place, Christ decided to perform a great miracle. As you know, for you're very familiar with this account that occurs in all four Gospels, Christ takes a young boy's five loaves of bread and two small fish. He blesses them, and he passes them out to the whole crowd, all 5,000 of them, and everyone has enough to eat. Through this miracle, Christ provides for the physical needs of those people who are gathered around him. He fills their bellies with good food. He sustains them physically by His might and His power. But Christ, we understand, did not perform this miracle to prove to the people who He was or because they were demanding a sign. He did it out of His mercy and grace because the people were hungry and because He had the ability to provide for them in this miraculous way. And yet, as we look A little further on in this passage, we see in verse 14 what the people say. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. The people saw this great sign. They saw that Christ is indeed the prophet. Maybe in your translation, Translation like mine, that word prophet is capitalized. This is a title of the Messiah referring to someone Moses declares in Deuteronomy 18 would come after him and would perform miracles just like he did. But this one sign that Jesus gives to the people, this feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish isn't enough for the people. When we begin our passage in verse 25, we see that it's, uh, that the people are coming back to Jesus again. This is now the next day, and they find Jesus once again hoping, even, even demanding from Christ another miracle, demanding that Christ does all that they ask of Him and far more. And in verse 25, the people come back to him. They, uh, he had uh, escaped for a time, but they found him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And we see that these people come back to Christ looking for more food, looking for some other type of wondrous work, and yet Christ tells them that they should really be seeking not perishable food, but imperishable food. Eternal food, not earthly food that won't satisfy them, but for a moment. But instead, they should be seeking spiritual food that will perfectly fulfill their needs. Starting in verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him, God the Father has set His seal. And then the people respond, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. These crowds are pressing in upon Christ, gathering around Him once again, thinking all the while that they can work their way to heaven. They believe that if they they only say the the right words or perform the right actions, then they'll be good with God, good enough even to inherit eternal life. The New Testament scholar D.A. Carson writes this about Christ's conversation partners. He says, quote, Their question, in verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God, their question, says Carson, resolves to this, Tell us what works God requires, and we will perform them. From John's perspective, their naivety is formidable. They display no doubt about their own ability to meet any challenge God might set them. They evince no sensitivity to the fact that eternal life is first and foremost a gift within the purview of the Son of Man. These people... In asking this question, think that whatever Christ's answer might be, they can do it. Whatever is required, we have the ability in ourselves to perform this work for God. They're saying to Jesus, just tell us, tell us what it is and we'll do it. And after that, maybe you can give us some more food because we're hungry again. But Christ in verse 29, does not give them the answer that they expect. Instead, he tells them that the only work required of those who would have eternal life is faith. Christ is saying, believe in me, and you will have full satisfaction. Believe in me, and you will be saved. Christ is showing once again the exclusivity of the gospel, that it's only in Christ alone that we are saved. Nothing apart from or outside of Christ will ever satisfy your spiritual needs. Dear ones, you and I are trapped in our sin on our own. We are unable to raise ourselves out of the miry pit and place our feet on solid ground. Only Christ has the power to break the bonds of sin and death and to set us free To live for him. And all that's required is repentance and faith. Christ is calling you and me here to turn from our sin and to embrace Christ as our blessed Savior and Lord. But even though in verse 29 Christ tells the people what they must do, they still don't understand. They still continue to question him, to badger him with their demands, of further signs, of more miracles, of further proof that He is who He claims to be. Jewish rabbis, to help the people understand the Old Testament, would often write elaborations and explanations of the Old Testament, which were intended to teach the Word of God and to explain and apply it to God's people. Well, many of these rabbinic writings that are called Midrash taught that there would come a day when God would send a redeemer to give his people manna, manna from heaven, and to do abundantly more than even Moses did when Moses redeemed the people. The Lord redeemed the people through Moses and gave them bread to eat in the wilderness. We see in verse 31. That they say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. The members of this crowd are comparing Jesus to Moses and are seeking signs from him. They're essentially saying, Jesus, uh, Moses gave our fathers bread every day for 40 years. Sure, you fed us yesterday. But you're no greater than Moses unless you give us something to eat now. Unless you do what Moses did. So what are you prepared to do Jesus to pr- to prove what you say These Jewish people wanted Christ on their own terms They wanted Christ their own way They wanted a Christ they could make in their own image But dear ones that's not how any of this works There is one Christ And we are commanded to take him as he is. He is perfectly holy and perfectly righteous. And he perfectly provides us with what we need in every situation. Not necessarily what we want or what we think would, would be best, but what we need. You and I cannot, like this crowd is attempting to do, manipulate Christ into doing our bidding. We do not have a Plato Christ, one that we can shape and fashion to our own liking. Our Christ is a solid rock who does all his Father pleases and who is our sovereign Lord and King who is to be obeyed above all else. These men, this large crowd that's surrounding Christ, we're attempting to get Jesus to give them what they want when they want it. In their arrogance, in their spiritual blindness, they wanted Christ to perform miracles at their whim. And yet we see Jesus refuses to play their game, refuses to give in. He sidesteps, sidesteps their demand for another sign. Their physical and worldly assertion that Christ's authority needs to be exercised when and how they say. And in the face of this, Christ doesn't even address that charge, doesn't even address their demand for a further sign. And He he instead goes directly to the spiritual issue, piercing as He so often does to the very heart of the matter, and applying God's word directly to these people. Christ, our Lord, tells us who he is, and he demands that we conform our thoughts and our actions to him. It can never work the other way around. Dear one, if Christ is your savior, then he is also your Lord. Obedience is required of all of his chosen and redeemed people. This is what Christ tells these men, that they must embrace not fleeting bread that will satisfy them for a moment, but true bread from heaven, heaven. The people back in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, saw Christ's miracle. They perceived that he was the prophet like Moses who was to come, but they still need More. They think they need more. They still hope to get him to perform one more miracle. The clear sign which he gave them by feeding the 5,000 wasn't enough because those who seek signs are never satisfied. Those who operate according to the demands of sight can never see enough. Always need more and more and more. Christ demands that we rest in him by faith, not by sight. These men are operating under their worldly misunderstanding, still thinking along the lines of worldly wisdom. They believe that Moses is the one who provided manna for their fathers in the wilderness. But Christ shows in verse 32 that this is not the case. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread. From heaven. It wasn't Moses, but God, who provided daily for his people while they were, while they were wandering in the desert. The, the people's focus here in John chapter 6 is far too centered upon Moses and the manna. And here Jesus is attempting to draw their attention up to God our Father and to the true bread from heaven, Jesus Christ. The manna was only a type, a a picture of the true bread from heaven who was to come. And that true bread, as we see, is Christ himself who came down from heaven and who gives life to the world, he says in verse 33. This verse where Christ says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Here, Christ is declaring That glorious free offer of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is offered to all people without distinction. No longer is it just the Jewish people who will be recipients of God's mercy and grace. But all people without distinction will be able to partake of the bread from heaven. The bread of life. The very bread of God. Jesus Christ himself. In Christ God provides for his people's every spiritual need. Christ our Lord is a full Savior. He doesn't get you most of the way saved and you have to do the rest. No, Christ fully satisfies your every spiritual need. Christ alone is God's full and perfect provision for you, dear one. So come to Christ, He will give you what is required for salvation. And it's vital that we feed upon Christ himself and Christ alone as our daily bread. The world around us is trying to to feed us all the time, isn't it? Dear one, don't mistake the food that the world wants you to eat for that which the Lord would give you. The world can only offer you cotton candy. Yes, it might be good for a sugar boost. It may be fun to look at and enjoyable to eat, but it will only ever provide temporary satisfaction. If that, it may seem pleasant, but it's ultimately superficial. The cotton candy that this world can offer is unfulfilling. And a diet made up of only cotton candy will kill you. It will kill you. But on the other hand, The Lord offers to you wholesome and filling bread to eat. Only the bread of life will have everlasting satisfaction. Only the bread of life will prove hearty and healthy. Only the bread of life is perfectly fulfilling and will give you life. Don't give in to the lies that you can find better or more nutritious food apart from Christ. Christ alone can satisfy your needs, Cling to him. The metaphor that, uh, of, of Christ that Christ uses here of, of Christ as the bread of life, and especially these ties within the context to the manna in the desert, point to a physical reality as well as to a spiritual one. This shows that God will provide for his people's physical needs, along with their spiritual needs. After the Exodus event in which God provided glorious salvation from slavery to Egypt, God gave his people sustenance through manna, providing food for them to eat in the barren wilderness every day for 40 years. Dear Christian, Christ, our bread of life, shows that our great God provides. First and foremost, he provides glorious salvation from slavery to sin through giving His own dear Son as an atoning sacrifice for you and for me, so that in Christ alone we might have freedom from the tyranny of our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. As if that weren't enough, though, our great God is also the great giver of all, the wondrous provider who gives us all that we could ever ask or imagine. Dear one, God cares for the sparrows and clothes the flowers. Surely He will take care of you. Trust God. Trust that God will provide for you. That He will give you your heart's desire. That He will, indeed, give you what you need. Rely upon God alone. One of the things about food is that we need to eat daily in order to stay physically healthy. In the same way, in order to stay spiritually healthy, you need to eat spiritual bread daily. You and I need Christ every day, and we need to daily run to Christ for our every spiritual need. Christians, need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed from the pulpit week by week, twice a week. So dear ones, study God's word daily on your own, with your family, with friends and neighbors, but most importantly, come to church to receive the food of God's holy word in the the context of public and corporate worship each and every Lord's Day. This is where you'll receive that bounteous feast of Christ, our Savior. Another aspect of physical food is that it nourishes us so that we can grow. You need to to eat so that your body can perform its normal and healthy functions. In order to see physical growth, you need nutrients that come from food. Well, the same is true for your spiritual growth. You must feed upon Christ in order to grow spiritually, in order to grow in your walk with Christ, in order to grow in your faith. No mere human teacher will save you. There is power in no one else but Christ alone. In Christ alone, you will grow in your faith as you look to him by grace through faith. Christ alone is your Savior, and from Him alone comes the salvation of your soul. Therefore, you must look to no one else besides Christ for all of your spiritual needs. Christ has done it all. He has given us everything we need. He provides, graciously provides for us. Receive Christ. Feast upon Christ as His Word is proclaimed, as the sacrament is administered. James Montgomery Boyce, the former minister of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, writes this in his commentary on this passage. He says, quote, Have you ever thought about all that grain must pass through before it becomes bread? It must first be planted and then grow. When it is ripe, it must be cut down, winnowed, ground into flour. Finally, It must be subjected to the fiery heat of the oven. Only by this process does it become able to sustain life. This is what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ in order that He might become your bread. Christ was born into this world. He was bruised. He was cut down by sinful men. He passed through the fires of God's holy wrath as He took your place in judgment. This is His glory. He suffered this for you. How then can you refuse to feed upon him? Come to Christ, draw from his fullness and grow strong, End quote. This is the Christ who is offered to you now in the gospel. Repent and believe in him. Come to Christ, come to the bread of life, the word of God, and he will satisfy your soul for he will surely fulfill your every spiritual need. In Christ, may you taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us pray. Our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ, our Savior, the bread of life. We thank you that in Christ, our every spiritual need is fully satisfied, fully provided for. We pray, O God, that we would hold fast to Christ, that we would see Him clearly as He has has proclaimed in Your Word, that we would seek to feast upon the bread of life daily as we study Your Word. O God, feed us, nourish us upon Christ our Savior. It's in His name we pray.